Live Hip Hop Daily. Once again, we got turned around a little bit on Memorial Day. All good. I want to shout out all the vets out there, of course. You know what I mean? Today, we got a super special guest. Today, we got a super special guest, um, as always, on the one-on-one segment. But even before we get into that, I have to give a big rest in power to Maya Angelou, who passed today at 86 years. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That's, yeah, that's, that's been all over the news today as well. So um, wow. rest in power to a true queen. Um, you know, oh, go out, man. read those poems. You know, if you're not familiar with this queen, then definitely go back and do the knowledge and learn and read and see what she did for the past, you know, several decades as far as black literature and black movement in general. Maya Angelou, 86 years old. So here we are, one-on-one with the coach. As always, we bring different people from around the culture, you know, to come hang out with us, kick it. And today's special guest is Jesse West, Third Eye. What's good? What's good? What's good? I'm good, man. I'm blessed. Yeah, that's your camera right there. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. you know the people can see you live. Um, let's jump right to it, man. For some people that may be unfamiliar, man, give them a little bit of the history of Jesse West, starting from when you kind of got into the game and started producing with people. Um, it's it's, it's funny. Like I, I never wanted to be a producer. I mean, to produce was not part of my aspirations. I, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to rhyme. I just wanted to be on stage, out front, be right. famous. And um, but. My first actual professional success was producing. You know what I mean by the first time I ever got paid, you know, made money. Right. Um, and that was in 1988. I did uh, three songs on uh, Shelly Thunder. She had a, she was on Fourth of Broadway. She had an yeah. album that was primarily produced by KRS One. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, he did the bulk of the album, and uh, somehow, you know, I was able to sneak two cuts in there. The first time I got paid for it, okay, um, and that was in '88. But then immediately after that, I ended up uh, producing a song for uh, the Jizza. I did the Jizza's first single, uh, "Come Do Me." Come Do Me, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was in '88. That this was all like in a three month span, um, but yet and still, uh, getting paid and making that money for and being called a producer, it still, it still didn't inspire me that I didn't want to be a producer. I wanted to be an artist. Right. Because the only reason why I became a producer in terms of, I'm not going to say became a producer. I became a, a music writer making beats. Uh, I didn't, I wouldn't say I became a producer until maybe, maybe 10, 11, 12 years in the game. Okay. So all you beat makers out there, this is what I'm trying to get you to understand. You know, you may, been making beats for a year and then you have some success and on the credits is going to say produced by you but um, it takes a lot more experience than that because production is more than just sampling and adding drums and playing a few keys you know? absolutely some of the world's greatest producers and the, the greatest produced records you know those producers may not have even played an instrument on the record you know Right, right. That's the unique thing about hip hop producers. The producers are generally, generally the writers, you know, and that confuses what production actually is. And I was gonna say, let's take a moment to draw that line to make that distinction. This this topic comes up a lot: a beat maker versus a true producer. So just to be clear for everybody out there, in your in your opinion, how would you define 
a beat maker, and then let's contrast that with a producer. There's a lot of different variables, but basically for me, the difference is uh, a beat maker is at home, whatever his platform that he's using to make his beats, mm-hmm. and he's just dealing within his own circle, his own inspiration, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, that's sufficient. You know, whatever his vibe is, whatever he's feeling at the end of the day, it, it's sufficient. A producer you have to use more elements than the ones that are naturally at your disposal meaning you have to use what the artist is bringing to the table you have to use what because you know you may be a beat maker but if you can't recognize that maybe this particular song needs a live guitarist on it Right. Or maybe this particular song needs a live percussionist. Right. Um, it's easy to the first step to understand that. That's one step of production to understand that a live guitar would go well here. We need a right. live guitar. Player. Knowing that, but understanding that right, when you hear understanding it, understanding that and having that vision. But then at the same time, you have to be experienced and skilled enough that when that guitarist gets to the studio, right, you're able to extract from him what you really need from the track. Because a beat maker, the artist could say, hey, this would be hot if we get a live guitar. And you know, and that beat maker, right. you know any guitarist? You know, and then when the guitarist get there, you know, he's like, you know, play. Right. Oh, that was dope, play that again. Right, that type of thing. A producer already knows, this is what I want you to play. This is the texture that I want, you know, because at the same time, as I said, you know, during the contest, a beat maker, may hear the guitarist play a lick and it just sounds good to him but now where production comes in okay I want you to play that lick this way right I want you to play the lick a little laid back in the track or maybe a little ahead of the track right then also production in terms of like vocals like I used to tell people um uh, like especially with singers a right. singer would come to me and let me hear her demo right and just listening to the demo I know that you're working with someone that we would consider a beat maker because a, an experienced producer also would know that this chorus calls more calls for more than just unison right if you're not experienced you don't know you okay double it that's all you know right double it. You know, an experienced producer is going to go, okay, you need to put a harmony here. You need to, I mean, people that are not producers that arrange songs do that also, too. You know? Exactly. Maybe just the person that wrote it could, could guide you in that. But at the same time, it's also part of the producer's job to have that person there that's qualified to do that. You know, okay, I, I may not, my strongest point, point may not be. Uh, finding harmonies if I'm working with a singer. Right. But as a producer of the track, it's my duty to have someone there that is. Got it. You know what I mean? Okay, I know this girl. She's ill with the harmonies. You right. Know? I need her here. Period. You know, because of what I know she's capable of doing. So that's what I mean by as a producer. You have to, you have to use so many other elements. Um, then production is also mixing. You know, beat makers, that's when it's over. Mm. You know, you take... You know, if a person is sitting home using Fruity Loops to make a track, right. and then he goes into a studio because he's his his level has stepped up, so now he's working with someone that's on a level where now 
He's going into a real professional studio with Pro Tools HD that he's never used. Right. Game over for him. You know what I'm saying? If he doesn't understand yet because he's not experienced to understand that production is also how do you want this kick to sound? You already got the sound because you knew what to sample. I liked it. This kick or or if you have some factory kicks right. that came with whatever software you're using. I like this kick. But then a producer might take it a, because it's it's creative. You know what I'm right. saying? Mixing is there's a creative Absolutely. to mix it. Absolutely. You know, it's more than just levels and EQs and processing. It's more know? than that. It's really creating a soundscape. When we talk about mixing and going into mixing the record, we're creating a soundscape. The same way a person who makes a movie creates visuals and edits and gives you different angles from a camera and gives has the actor do different inflections to give off emotion, we do the same thing on the board. Mm-hmm. We build drama in the record and we have certain elements of the record bouncing this way or pan this way or in relation to something else because together it creates this whole experience for your ear. Mm -hmm. So it's absolutely right. I think, and then this is the further point we're going to get to because it's it's great to have this conversation and know these things. And then, you know, we also realize we have a new generation always of people coming into the culture that want to produce, that call themselves whatever they call themselves and they need this they need this you know to understand that there's a difference between a person that loops up a beat adds drums and plays two keys versus a person who goes into the studio anticipates what's needed coaches vocals sits in on the mixing session to make sure that this record comes out the way it was envisioned huge difference there pay attention to that there's a huge difference like I've I've worked on songs where I use live musicians where I knew okay this would be dope as a bass player and I hire one bass player and come and no, no, that, there's a certain feel that I'm looking for. That right. I mean, I tell him directly, you know what I'm saying? I pay him and let him go by his way. He doesn't know that, you know, next week I got to do another bass player to come in. Right. You know, those are just decisions. I mean, what's interesting about today <clears throat> is technology. All across the board, man, it seems like technology, you know, has its pros and cons. Right. Um, for me, technology is taking the feeling out of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's making everything, even in terms of, you know, the average teenager right now, their handwriting is horrible. Because, you know, I noticed that for my daughter. My daughter's a straight A student. Right. But her handwriting is suspect. Right. Because she's texting all, all day. day. I talked to my daughter Emails about that as well, yeah. Day, you know what I mean? And she's straight A, you know? I'm proud she's straight A, but when I, I can't read her notes. Crazy. Like, How are you a teacher read this? You know? This, she's it, not, they're not practicing writing. And, and how that affects music is, uh, it, it, it's not, the production process is it's not as personable as it used to be. Like I, I have a few gold and platinum records, right? And I mean, I've produced a whole lot of songs, a lot of different artists, and a few of them were very successful. Understood. The ones that were very successful, when I think about them, there was always a role that I know I played in the creation of that song beyond sitting home banging on the SB 1200 and the 950. That's, you know, what made me a producer 
you know, any song that, I, you know, my most successful songs, I can show you that this is what, when I got with the artists, when we got in the studio and we were doing this, we were creating together. You know, I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, you can put this, oh, wait a minute, and I got a part at home. When we come back to the studio, I'm gonna let you, you know, right. we just, you know, c collaborating with each other, you know, collaborating and putting this together. Um, nowadays, I have a a, a, a song on uh, Farrell Monch has a, uh, uh, his post-traumatic syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did one song with him on that album. Okay. And I predicted this a year ago. You know, I remember I was telling my man, I was like, you know, and, and, and this is happening across the board to a lot of people. I was telling them, you know, the album is going to come out. And people, you know, all on my Facebook page, people, yeah, you, you know, the, the new Farrell Monch, congratulations, you on the new Farrell Monch right. album. And I was telling my man, I was like, people are going to come up to me, yo, that's hot, that new Farrell Monch album, you, you produced a new song for Farrell Monch. I haven't spoken to Farrell, I haven't spoken to him or seen him in five years. Interesting. But Those yet, on his new album right now, there's a song on there, say, produced by Jesse West. I have not seen this man in over five years. I haven't had a, conversation like you and I conversating in over five years we text we right. talked in the text <laughs> like I said we talked in the email right so there's nothing personal you know I'll take the credit I'll take the money whatever but I didn't produce nothing for that man I emailed him a track and he went and did what he did that's what everybody's doing. that's what everybody and that's doing. why the quality of our music is suffering in that aspect because there's no marriage between the person who was inspired and made the music and the person who was inspired and made the lyrics. There's no marriage between right. them anymore. Right. You know, it was unheard of. I mean, I back in you know the early '90s, you know, in in the, in in our prime, I remember being in the studio. Waiting on, you know, someone like a KRS-One and pissed off because he ain't show up. Right. You know, I'm like, yo, you know, these dudes got money to throw away like this. They're going to block out a studio for 1700 and don't even show up. And I ain't got time for this. You right, know right. Whereas today it's like, you know, now the producer's like, yo, you know, I just email you the track and two-track it. You know, just two-track That's it. the killer. That's hurting me a lot with the two-track <laughs> That, that's hurting me a lot. Like you said, how it affects how our music sounds. The fact that you... Yes, sir. The fact that you have songs that people are listening to now where the vocals don't really sit in the music and the vocals kind of float on top of the beat and it don't doesn't really sound like a song. That, 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 that That's one for me that bothers me. And like I said... Yo, people hear us all the time and they say, well, you know, that was this and it's not like that no more. And you got to get used to it. Yo, the reason we talk about these things for everybody listening is because the way that we produce music, not just us in hip hop, but the generations before us is the superior way to produce music. People did not produce music separately until now. Exactly. And the greatest music has basically been made. Yeah. So it's odd to me to look at some of those original models and methods of producing and of song making and try to down it. I don't see it. Like I said, some of the greatest records in our genre, the genres before us, were made in a certain fashion. People collaborating, getting into that studio right. together. It gave, it gave a spirit and a soul to right. what was being created because it was a combination of 
minds and stuff coming together in agreement and not even in agreement in what they were hearing but what they were feeling from <clears throat> you know it's like the producer the artist his people the producer their people it's like we're all in one room together listening to the song that we're all feeling it right we're happy that's a rap <laughs> it's a mix you know we're all we all coincide in terms of the way we feel about this right all, right right you know if anybody has something you know you know what i think you know this little tweaks yeah i think you know you could bring the snare up a little louder you know that's all good but it's like I don't, I don't want to uh, sound like I'm trying to put Falmont's down. Right. When I finally heard the finished product, it is what it is. There's nothing whack about it. Right. But I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel like, you know, it's a dope song. The music is hot. His vocals, you got Denon Porter on it. Denon's vocals is hot. You Crazy. Know, singing the hook and right. all that. But... Being that I'm so in tune on that on such a deeper level, the consumer's not gonna hear what I heard. But me being tuned in tune on a deeper level when I when I heard it, when he finally emailed it to me, he was excited when I heard it. I was like, all right. And to be honest, I'm listening to it going, see, this is what I'm saying, Biz. Like, he probably doesn't even realize how much of my production benefit that he lost from that. How much hotter this track would have been. If y'all was in the laboratory if we, together. If, he, if we could have labbed together. You know what I'm saying? He, it's, it's like, I almost felt disrespected. Like this man did not respect what I could have brought to the table. You hear a track that came from me that inspired you, that you wanted it on your next product, but you did not understand what I could have added as a producer once I heard what you was doing. Because as I'm, li- like I said, I'm listening to it going. I would have oh did this. God. Interesting. And I'm going to shout out. To the next level, you know. And I'm not blaming them for nothing. Right, it's just right. the, the time. And know? this is the time. This That's is the way it's being done. I don't email nobody no more instrumental. It don't make sense. For what? Right. You know what I'm saying? Unless it's someone that I know I just rock with like that, that I know eventually we're going to get together. Anyway. Certain artists, you know. Okay. I, I do that. But as far as just... No emailing the tracks. And you're not alone with that because there's a lot of producers that we talk to that know the difference. I did. I did it for a very long time and I, and I never got any success. Period. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Hold that thought. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, my success came from people that wanted to sit down and make them and politic, you know, like, man, Wes, I'm on, and I know know you got what I need. Come and see me. And sit there, and they hear something. I want that. Where can we go and record this, man? When can you come to the studio and record? Not nobody. Yo, 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 we looking for beats. Yo, um, let me hit you with my email. Email us some tracks. Come on. Yeah, yeah, understood. And it's crazy. That's the way it's going. All right, we're going. My producer is telling me we're going to jump to a break. Um, every time we take a break on the one-on-one show, we usually go to a video. So, what video do we have queued up? Okay. So, um, we're gonna get into this KRS joint. Step into my world that you also produced. Um, intro that man. Say something for it, and then we'll go into the video. Um, this is out of 
every song that I've ever been involved with creatively or production wise um, this is not even my most successful song but it is if anybody were to ask me to give them one song that I created or was involved with uh, that embodies how I feel about hip hop music its essence the culture of it this I would, t- I would direct into this song Understood. it says everything for me you know what I mean Dope. Step into a world, KRS One. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We just came out of the video um, by KRS One. Step into a world. So, um, you know, we're gonna continue this conversation. Um, when I told people that I was gonna sit down with you today, a lot of people were excited. First of all, you know, what I'm saying to hear about you and you know hear that you're on the scene and around. Um, a lot of people wanted me to talk to you about your relationship with Bad Boy Records. Um, so we know that, you know, you were affiliated with the label during, you know, some of the, 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 the formative years of that company. So I was wondering what you could share with us about your experiences, you know, working with, with that label during that time. Well, I was there, you know, at ground zero. Um, at, when I say ground zero, I was, I was working with, with Puffy before Bad Boy, you know, right. um, to be honest, um, he he understood the elements that he was going to need in the type of uh, the, the 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 model for the because he, he set a model when he, you know for these labels because a lot of labels came behind him like right. that. And what I mean by that model is that you know you have a label that has that self-contained. They have in-house producers, they have the talent, and uh, he was looking for someone or. Others, you know, I just happened to, you know, be skilled as a producer and as an MC. So, you know, he felt, okay, I have all the elements in place now. Now I have that real special producer and he's special as an MC. Now I can start Bad Boy. Now I can launch Bad Boy Records. He told me this. Um, but, you know, far as far as far as the early years, it was just a... I really can't explain it. The, 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 the most thing that I think about the most back though is just me meeting Biggie in the, in the, not only the recordings, we did a lot of recordings together. We spent a lot of time together, you know, um, before most of the world knew who Biggie Smalls was. Right. Uh, you know, we was just grinding out ideas back and forth, you know. I listen to a lot of his songs he put out, and even in his lyrics, you know, I'll hear one line that I know um, that he got from me, you know. Oh, yeah, I'll hear a line in a, a particular song, and I'll just think, like, I remember I was with him, and, you know, when he got that line from me. Not like I was giving him lines, but something I said, ooh, ooh. Right, you know? right. Yeah. And, we, you know, we would just go back and forth, and it was interesting because... Um, you know, Big changed, you know, he changed my life, you know what I'm saying? Um, in terms of the energy that I was able to, you know, he helped me to find myself as an MC. Um, and he, did, he didn't know that because it was it was very subtle. We never sound sounded alike. We didn't talk about the same things. So when I tried to explain to him that, you know, how much I got from him, how much he changed, and help me move to the next level. Like he helped me just make a quantum leap to the next level. When I right. tried to explain that to him, 
he couldn't really see it because I guess he was just looking for surface comparisons. He, I don't think he understood the inspiration and then just the whole scientific way that I broke down, you know, his, his lyrical, his writing. It was his writing that changed my life. He gave me, he opened up a door, he gave me a new way to write. You know, I was stuck before. And I'm talking about overnight. You know, it was like I, 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 I met him, I recorded one song with him, and then when I woke up in the morning, I was, a, I was the illest MC. Period. What was the song? It was a song called Biggie Got the Hype Shit. It's on YouTube. You can hear it on YouTube. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, somehow, somehow you know, YouTube, they boot like everything. I mean, you know, people, I don't know who, how, we recorded that song in 1991. Really? Yeah. But it's on the internet. You can catch it. It's called Biggie Got the Hype Shit. Wow. Um, look for that, man. Yes. You know, I, that's the, I hadn't heard it in so many years, and then I found it on the internet. And it sounds like it was recorded in 91. <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I, I woke up for that year, 91, 92, 93, man. I was the illest, man. Everybody, all the motherfuckers. Man. Buster, Redman, all of them knew. That Jesse West, they all knew. Third That's Eye, right. they That's all right. knew. And I never had a response, especially for my peers like that, that type of respect for my lyrical ability until the day after I met Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. After I met Biggie, you know, I had real big, respectable MCs speechless when they met me. And, and I used to be like, yo, damn. It was Biggie. It right, was Biggie right. that did that. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. That's what's up, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's real deal. And now, as you were telling, as you were telling the story, I was thinking. Let me ask you this, and this I hadn't planned on asking you this, but while you were telling the story, where do you remember where you were when you got the news that he had been killed? Paul Chester. I was asleep. My man walked in and said, "Wes, wake up! They killed Biggie Smalls last night." Yeah. I woke up like, "Huh? What?" Yeah. It was. Uh, that was an experience. Crazy. I mean, I. I didn't. I know. I'm just even thinking about that day now. Man, um, I get upset about it. You know. Yeah. Um, I know Biggie was was meeting a lot of people, mm. making a lot of new connections and whatnot. Right. right. Um, he was always open. He just loved music, so it didn't matter who you were. He was gonna listen to your music if it was hot and it inspired him. Yeah. He was gonna use it. Um, but I know at the at the end of the day, um, I probably was one of his uh, top three producers that he was always going. The door was always going to be open. He was always like he had that type of respect. He was always uh, every time I saw him, he was like, "Yo, yo, you, you got music? Come and see me." Word. Every time, you know, and, and it, it, I could just bump into him somewhere. I'm in Manhattan, and oh shit, Biggie. Yo, big West, pull over, pull over. Music, you know. Period. All the time. Off top. Yeah. yeah. That's so what's up. He was like an ally in that aspect, so it, it kind of really definitely. Um, because the main thing is, even to this day, I'm like, what was that dude gonna become? Mm. Right now? Mm. That's what we miss. You know what I'm saying? And that conversation comes up lyrically, a lot. like pop. 
We knew Pac wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna evolve lyrically. He, Pac was gonna be Pac. We knew his evolution was gonna be right up here. Right. You know, but Biggie, you just knew his his lyrical evolution was gonna be insane. Right, right. You know, like we, to this day right now, you know, Biggie would've been in his 40s and we still would've been hearing him going, Jesus Christ, man, this, this dope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, whereas, whereas, you know, like I said, whereas Pac, Pac probably would've started a new religion by now. Well, now, you always say that if Pac would've made it to 40 years old, much less 50, Pac would've opened up a school of self-defense in urban centers oh, around the country. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he would have lied himself with the new Black Panther Party, but there was talk of that before he started his recording career. Um, I feel like Pac would have started a school for self-defense and proficiency with, proficiency with weapons. He's a shooter. He loved to shoot, but not to just be shooting. But I think that there would have been an education behind that along with self-defense. Mm -hmm. I also think that Pac would have probably pumped music into the arts, acting, music, poetry, writing. It would have been a different. I don't. I don't compare Pac to other MCs because the person he is is beyond right. music. Music was how we discovered him. Mm. But it, in the if he would have made it, his book would have been much more than music. Music was the entry point. Right. It was what got him the money. Right. It's what wrote, got him the credibility and the love. But he was always on a different wavelength. So you can only imagine what a person like that on that wavelength does with resource, meaning people and money. It's a different reality if Pac makes it. Right. And people like him. But yeah, speaking of hip hop and the ones that came through, you know, it's a different reality in a certain sense if Pac makes it. Yeah. You know, and musically, and that doesn't take anything away from a, a big. That's why personally, you rarely hear me compare them. Can never compare because no it's really not a comparison. If you really think about it, it's really not no, a no, comparison. No, you, if you want to compare, if you want to compare, you compare Jay Z to be right. Exactly. That's yeah. apples they to apples. The same vein, right. Right. same right. vein. Right. But that's fine. Apple, but he not Puffy. He was the first one to actually be talking about clothes, and nobody knew about that until he was. That was all Puffy. I always say that too. Exactly. I, now let, let me let, since you were there. This is a statement I always make, and so you know they jump on me for this one, right? So I always say, yo, yeah, I was around, you know, when all these records were coming out and, you know, the, the whole phenomenon of Bad Boy, that was me getting into the industry of time. But regardless of that, I always look, being that I was privy as a younger person to be in the corner when some of this stuff was going on in daddy's house, I always, you know, now as an adult, I always think, when I listen to those records and I watch those videos and I talk about Big, this was a partnership. Because Big, without Sean, without Puff, is almost Big Pun. But big all of that with Sean is that that success like like every everything that I did with Puffy that was success for successful, um it, it wouldn't have been successful without him. Right. You know, right. Uh, in one way or another. Even creatively, you know what I mean? He had ideas. He had creative ideas. Uh he just didn't have the skills to execute them. Musically, so he surrounded himself with people who did have skills, and, and then he guided them. It's like, um, um, but also having the power to make to bring your ideas to life. Like you know, if we if we were sitting and building on an idea, and I said, "Yo, what we should do is we should do this." He had the power to go. 
Whoa! Crystal, get such and such on the phone. Right. And make it happen. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, anybody else would go, yeah, that's a dope idea. Damn, you got to connect. You think, you know what I mean? How can we get at it? And then it might not ever happen. Right, right. He had that lane where you could just say, yo, you know. And, that, and that's why he became famous for you know, putting this rapper on the remix with that rapper, you know, because when he would get ideas from a person like myself, yo, you know what would be dope if you, you know, like when we did the, the, the Reminisce remix, you know, um, that whole remix was just me just hitting him with ideas. Yo, what Explain that, because I know what the Reminisce remix is, but some people watching may not. So talk about the artist and the situation a little bit with that. Well, actually what happened is I, I, I was... In a, like a real egotistical competition with Tony Dofat. <laughs> because 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 we worked in the same studio. Right, right. And he was he had more seniority in the studio. So in other words, if I was working and then Tone popped up, yeah. I had to pack up. It was his turn to work. You know? Right, right. And I never heard nothing whack from him. Right. Everything I heard from him was hot. Right. And but he was not a hip-hop dude, even though when he did do hip-hop tracks, they was hot, too. Right. But he was R&B. Like, he was phenomenal to me back then. Right. So I was trying to guide... I was trying to protect my hip-hop lane from him. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I can't fuck with him hip-hop wise. I mean, R&B, but he can't fuck with me hip-hop. Right. And so we both started dealing with Puff at the same time. So when Mary wanted the remix... Uh, I was actually sitting with Puffy when you know he was talking on th- talking on the phone with maybe her man. However, when he came, okay, y'all want to remix reminisce? I was sitting there, so I put my bid in right away. Puff, yeah. I want to remix reminisce. That's right. You know what I'm saying he was like, okay, you know, you know, you should, you should miss y'all. We see what you, you know, we see what yeah, you yeah, got. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I submitted two. I did two remixes. I actually did the first remix with. Um, Mel Graham. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazier than what we actually did. I swear to God. Mm. I just knew it. I remember I remember just sitting back listening to it when I was done. I was like, yo, I'm about to remix Mary J. By myself, just in the studio, like, I got this. Yeah. I gave it to, to Diddy. After a week, he was like, yo, I gave it to her. You know, she still ain't get back to me about it yet. You know, then finally he come and was like, yo, she, you know. No, he never said nothing to me, you know. So I'm still waiting, thinking, you know, finally she'll call him. Right. Me. So one day I'm in the studio with Tone, and he goes, guess what, man? I'm, I'm remixing Reminisce. I said, word? He was like, yeah. He said, then it's crazy, man, because I don't even have, have an idea. I said, what do you mean you have an idea? He was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I said, word. Yo, I'm going to the store. I'll be right back. Crazy. I went outside and called Puff. I said, yo, Puff, man, you got so much on this dude deck that he get to do the remix and he ain't even got an idea. Right. And I gave you the crap, the fire. Right. And he was like, yo, you know, she, she, he did wish the 411. She requested him. Right. I couldn't say nothing about it. I was like, what's the 411? I can see her. Being like, let's go for it. I want this dude to do it. So I had to give it up. I said, all right. I get a, a month, about a month later, I yeah, get a yeah. call out the blue. It's, it's, it's Puffy. Yo, Wes, Wes, I need your help, man. Yo, you know, we started on this remix for the Reminisce, and then and then, then Tone just broke out, man, and, and it just left me, man, and I, and I got a deadline. I got to turn it in tomorrow, man. Yo, could you come down and finish it for me? I said, see, man, yo, 
Uh, yo, listen, man. I want six G's. Yo, nigga, you got the six G's. Just come down and shit, right? I said, okay. You know, six G's being that sound like a lot. Yeah, that's just, you fucking sweet. <laughs> Today, but back then, you know, the remixes, you know, that, that was good. a lot of money. That me. was I good. in front. You know, just, I mean, that was a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> sound crazy today, right? It does sound crazy. Six G's and six G's and six hundred dollars. Um, but um, I went down there and yeah, they had Sucker MCs, Luke. Just Luke, no keys or nothing. So the the original you know, Sucker MCs or the Orange Crush? The, the records. Sucker MCs, boom, catch, catch. Yeah, but okay, you know, the records is slow, so yeah. Yeah. So I said, all right, I listened to it. I said, all right, man, give me, give me the, I need a Triton. I need, I'm gonna need this keyboard. I'm gonna need this keyboard, man. I'm gonna just play some keys on top of it. And they left, they left me, Diddy, and then went, you know, they all went out. Yeah. They left me in the studio, man. I came back out two hours later. I sat down. And Puff, he was like, how's that? I said, that shit is whack. <laughs> he was like, what? I said, that's whole sucker MC shit is garbage. <laughs> He was like, he was like, what? I said, yo, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I said, yo, man, I, I, I'm not, I can't, I can't do nothing. Yeah. He was like, yo, what you say, man? I gotta turn this in tomorrow. I said, yo, that shit is whack. You lucky you ain't gonna be able to turn it in, man. I told you, let me do it. He, he said, yo, I didn't like that idea. I, got. I said, yo, wait a minute. I thought you said Mary didn't like it. He said, nah, I I'm gonna keep it real with you. I ain't, I wasn't feeling that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I said, yo, man. You should have told me you wasn't feeling that, because if you wasn't feeling that, you know, I would have put Rap New Generation under it. He was like, Rap New Generation. Dun, 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 dun. That's the Riley joint. That's the Teddy, Teddy Riley, Riley produced that back in the day. So Rap we started Lil. telling the story to show you how he had a lane to make things happen, because I was like, I would have put that under it. He was like, you got that record? I was like, nah. Yo, you got Rap New Generation? Okay, okay, yo, I need it right now. You know, this is like one in the morning. I need it right now. Nigga, I sent a cab, but we need it right now. He got the record there. Okay, Period. boom, I went back in, started sampling the record, putting the drums to it, you know what I'm saying? I come back out. You know what would be dope? Since Pete and them got reminisce over you out right now, CL Smooth put a verse on this. Yeah, Wes. Wow. Yo, get CL on the phone for me, you know what I'm saying? Boom, I went down to the, to the Ritz to go party a little bit, came back up two hours later, CL Smooth is in the studio. Straight like that. With a pen and pad, right. Straight like that. So these are the things that he would bring to the table to just make it happen. Without that type of shit, it wouldn't happen. Same thing with the Super Cat remix, you know? We'll get into that whole yeah. last story. That's one of my personal favorites right there, man. The dog about baby joke there. So we gonna get into that yeah. in a second. Yo, H, what video we have queued up? Actual facts. There you go. If you could, introduce that for us real quick. Um, Lord Finesse, that's my dude. That's, that's, I think, I, I ain't gonna, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Like, I met a lot of people in the industry, man, you know, what I would consider my peers, right? Like, like, Law finesse is like just like my equal, man. Like that's the way he always treated me, man. Like 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 my equal, man. You know he he he's done inter interviews and say your West taught me this, West taught me that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, you taught me just as much as I taught you. You know because I I helped him get into production by teaching him how to use the SB1200, teaching him how to use the 950. Yeah. And believe it or not. 
after a while, I'm, I don't know how long, but after a while, he was coming to me and teaching me shit about the, the SB12. That's what it he is. taught me how to chop. You know what I'm saying? He taught me how to. He taught me what chopping is about. You know, I took it and ran with it and put my own thing to it. Right. But he put me up on that. You know Shout out to Lord Finesse. Shout out to DITC. And this, this is this track right here was a track. True story. I went over my man Mike Lowhouse. Just because I was whipping, and I looked and said, oh, shit, I'm at my, my Mike Lowhouse. Let me go see Mike home. Right. I went in there, Mike was home. You know, we were sitting there just chopping it up. I'm looking at his SB-1200, and I said, cut it on. You know, he was like, I said, cut it on, man. And he cut the SB-1200 on, and I started going through his records, and I, you know, I said, go put the turntable on. You know, I'm just listening to the records. I said, let me sample this. You know, he went and took a shower, and when he came out, I said, yo, I left a beat in there, man. I'm out. And... Next thing I know, he was like, yo, Finesse want the track. Hard. And I said, what track? I remember, because it was like three days later. He said, yo, Finesse wants this beat. And I was like, what beat you talking about? He didn't even remember. I didn't even remember until I heard it. He said, remember you came, I went in the shower, and when you were going out the door, you said you left a beat? I said, I don't remember how it go, though. Like, what, what, what did I use? He was like, you used, you, you used the SB-1200, and you sampled something in the 950. And I was like... I don't remember. Crazy. I don't remember. He was like, yo, well, Finesse won it. And I said, well, he can have it. You know what I'm saying? And I did that on the arm for my nigga Finesse. That's what it is. And shout out to the guard, man. Shout out to Sadat X. Shout out to Nubians, man. This is what it is, man. Actual facts, man. Produced by Jesse West, Law Finesse, Sadat X.